Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. This podcast is sponsored by Jim Butcher, who is a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Now let's get it started. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. My name is Tricia Stetzel. I'm the owner of Results Extreme Business Solutions. And as always, my partner, Colton Cockrell, is here just across uh, the wire. Colton? So I went to go get a bottle of water. I think you're just going to start just start the show. This is my job. Why are you taking... I'm just kidding. I know. Okay, so too bad for you. <laughs> And you're with uh, you're with Focal Point. Okay, let's restart that so you can say the company you're with. I did. You did? I didn't hear it. I'm sorry. I told you. Okay, redo it. My bad. Okay. Sorry. That's all right. Our first for It is. Colin's like, you didn't even say what you're supposed to say. All right. That's because it's not your turn. How about that? And here we go. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. My name is Trisha Stetzel, and I'm the owner of Results Extreme Business Solutions. And as always, or at least lately, across the wire, I have my friend and partner, Colton Cockrell. Colton? Hey, Trisha, what's going on? Sorry, I busted your chops before we started this thing. I'm glad you got to open it. You did a, you did a pretty good job. I think I'd do a little bit better, but it's okay. Anyway, hey, I am going second today because first I want to introduce myself, Colton Cockrell, Sharon McKinley Group, Certified Financial Fiduciary, Independent Financial Advisor. But I am going second today because I want to introduce our guest, which is Brian Rosen, a great guy and a good friend. I'm going to read his bio real quick, real, real quick Tricia, and I'll try to talk as well. So Brian Rosen is the proud owner of the Southeast Houston Assisted Living Locator Franchise, serving this Southern or sorry, the Southeast Houston metropolitan area, including Galveston, Harris, Brazoria County. He is, ex- he is excited to provide care and guidance to seniors and their families to find the perfect place to call home. And there's a whole lot more I could say about Brian outside of that bio. Uh, but really, we have him here today because he's a professional and we really want to talk about um, the elderly right now, especially with everything that's going on. So Brian, thank you so much for, for accepting our request and being on the show today. Thank you, Tricia. Thank you, Colton. I really appreciate being here. I'm excited to be just to have a great conversation and do the best we can and inform the the folks about me and what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Brian, I'd like to open with I want our listeners to really understand what it is that you do. Uh, We've got nursing homes, home health care, and I think you are kind of somewhere in the middle. So can you kind of describe what you do for families for us? Sure. I love to, Tricia. Uh, what I do is I help the elderly find assisted living facilities that match their needs. So, for example, and, and I also re- and I also market for smaller assisted living facilities that, say, are in the neighborhoods that don't have a big signage on a large street. Like, you can, go down, you know, you, you can drive down um, 518 and see a couple of assisted living places, or you drive down Walker here in League City and see a couple of big signs and say, just living here. There are a lot of living facilities in the neighborhoods where someone had bought a house and they have the elderly living there and they have home health care in their own kind of home. Um, I, so I market for them. That's basically what I do. I just basically find the right facility for the elderly that 
matches their needs. Okay, so now that we know where your expertise is, Colton, I know I'm talking over you, but I have a point here. (laughs) Now that we know where your expertise is, Brian, how, talk to me about the kind of the difference between what you're doing for these families and someone who just goes to a facility without someone like you who has those relationships already. Shorten, I shorten the road. If, for example, if you, most of these, most of the, most people come to this idea of putting their relatives in a facility in kind of a shock, in kind of a shock and awe short time frame kind of period. For example, um, if uh, someone dies in the home and they, and then all of a sudden the whole family founds out that grandpa that died recently was taking care of grandma and grandma can't, doesn't know how to cook anymore. Or grandma can't go, can't get dressed anymore. Or he was reminding her to brush her teeth in the morning. The families find that out after that happens. So what will, I shorten the path to get that. They can obviously go to the facilities themselves and drive around and find the right place to go. But that takes research. That takes time and effort that they could be doing other things. It could be, they could be taking care of their mom at home while I'm looking for them to find a place to live. They could be t- managing the home healthcare workers that are kind of doing the bridge. They could be planning the funeral. They could be doing just a, a number of other things in the world a step, instead of going around looking for a facility to put their relative in. Um, I will, you know, you know that's, that's, really the, that's really the path. That's really the, it's the service of finding the right place with knowledge as opposed to starting from scratch. Uh, I can give you an example from my own personal history. Um, when my grandfather died, we discovered that uh, grandmother had dementia. We discovered, and we, no one in our home, no one in our family knew of any facilities. There was a famous one called uh, Golden Acres in Dallas. That was the, that was the one that everybody went to. If, if someone died, go to, go to, go to Golden Acres. Uh, Make a long story short, Golden Acres was too big and too, it didn't have the right care for the elk, for the, for my, for my grandmother. So we hunted, we took us, it took us a solid couple of months to really find the right place from going from zero knowledge to expertise or at least comfort. Well, I first think that's awesome that your parents didn't just unload them somewhere. They actually wanted to make sure their parents were taken care of. That's, that's right. That's awesome. But, but second, what's, and you know, you're being extremely humble right now because I know you do a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more work that goes into it. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, and I already know the answer. Right. How do you, if, if I was to send my parents to you, right. And you were to work with them. Does my, do, do my parents pay a single dime to you? No, I'm a free service to the public. I am paid by contract and by commission from the facility out of their marketing. Absolutely. And that's why I think people need to sit down and talk to people like you who can find, I mean, you know, you got the ins and outs, you go to these places, you go to the facilities, you meet, you hang out with mom and dad, whenever they're there, you check up on them once a month. I mean, I think that's awesome. So you, oh, yeah. you, you do 
lot. And I, and again, that's why I want to say all this stuff because I want people to understand exactly what it is you do because you are inside. Well, maybe not as much now, but you're inside the nursing homes. You know what nursing homes are doing. Assisted living cares are doing. You, you know what's going on. And you also have a lot of relationships with home health care individuals. So that now that we really have set this stage, um, let's talk about what's going on right now. So give me kind of a rundown between how difficult it is. And I mean, you, you can, I mean, this can, we can have so many branches off this question, but what is going on in nursing homes right now and assisted living facilities right now from the stance of parents or people getting to see their parents or their loved ones in the homes, um, changes that nursing homes and assisted living facilities have made uh, to really kind of expand on, on what, what changes that are going on and, and the effects that they're having on communities and on families. Uh, what's going on in facilities right now is they have, well, if you, for example, if you're looking to if you're looking to, to move your relative into a facility, uh, they've added another they've added another layer of checks to their to the to the to the, to the senior. They'll check your they'll check your relative for COVID. They'll make sure they'll take their temperature. They'll make sure that they're and they'll put them in isolation for a week and make sure that they don't have COVID coming in. That's that's one of the, that's the major intake in intake step differences um, with families in general uh, they have they have basically done everything they can to prevent COVID from coming in the facility so that means less visitors they want they, you know it used to be that you could walk in like a, like, like a house come on over we'll, we'll certainly come on over we'll hang out with our relatives hang out with your relatives hang out with everybody um, that's changed. It's not quite as open. You have to walk, when you walk in the front door of the facility, you have to get, you get your temperature taken. Uh, they, you know, they require masks from everybody. Um, what else is going on? They've basically, they've also had a, a large scale kind of rule. Um, institute, they've changed the rules even internally with their staff. Uh, the staff are required to, Eat apart, not eat together. The staff are required because they don't want to spread the virus between staff members while they're eating. Uh, they require the staff to not go out into public. They can't go to the. They like, you know, I can. You know, as a not, I don't work at a, I don't work at a facility, so I can go to. I mean, I, I can go to. You know, I can go to a, a restaurant and eat. They don't want the staff members to do that. Even pick up your food, bring it home. They want and. That's the basic changes. Uh, they, the staff are required to, the, the managers of the facilities are required to call into the CDC and the Texas Department of Health weekly and give reports. And God forbid, if someone gets COVID in their facility, they have isolation rooms set up within the facilities already, just sitting vacant, waiting for the possibility. That's, and it, you know, just like any other, and just like any other real estate function, having that room vacant, waiting for an, an eventuality, costs them on the bottom line. So they're and they're having to do that. It is, and I, and right now you are being extremely just general. I mean, you can go into depth and everything. You just, I appreciate that because we told you to be very just kind of right. the surface. So there's right. a lot of stuff that you can unpack with everything you just said, <laughs> which, which is great. Um, yeah, I, the depth of our response, you know, I consider we, we, the depth of our response and how things are reported back and forth between the state 
and local CDC. It's it's an it's an incredibly depth in depth conversation. I can go a little bit deeper. Um, for example, when the facility managers used to spend time in the facility and, and monitoring the, the workers and talking to the to residents and, and doing all the little things that they did to make sure that things were going right, they're not spending hours on end in meetings talking about current COVID trends, current treatment trends, how to get in nurses that will that will dispense uh, medicines to people that have COVID, talking about different ways to have families meet with their relatives either through a, either, either over Skype, over Zoom, over, um, you know, I've seen people, I've seen people play the guitar over the window. They go outside their mother, go outside their mother's house, play the guitar and talk through, through a window. Um, I, you know, there's just, whatever I can tell you, just you know, certainly I can, I'll try to dig deeper. Anything else? You have any specific questions you want me to dig deeper on? So, Brian, before we started the show, you were talking a little bit about numbers. And, and we know that, you know, the numbers are all over the place. But you were sharing that here in Texas, we are, it's actually good news. So can you share a little bit behind the numbers that we were talking about before the show? Sure. Uh, Texas has done a solid job in, in, in preventing COVID outbreaks within nursing home and assisted living facilities. From all the reasons I just I've mentioned, through all the, all the different avenues of uh, prevention we simply the statewide numbers as of this morning after the articles i've read about 40 percent of our deaths deaths in the state of texas have come through assisted living and nursing home facilities um that's a function of simply the virus got in there early before everything happened and before we start treating, um, it's a function of it's a it's a it's a vulnerable population already. They already have other illnesses. A lot of our illness, a lot of the a lot of the COVID deaths are like okay, well, the patient had diabetes, congestive heart failure already, had a heart attack, uh, they needed a stent, and they couldn't go to the hospital because the hospitals were shut down, and they got COVID. And that becomes a COVID death. Um, so it's the, as I, I can, I can, the only thing I can say is this, the facility has done extremely well in preventing true COVID outbreaks. And the deaths we've had is only, is only a function of the population already being vulnerable. And, and I like how you're being very delicate here. You're, you're very careful the way you choose your words, and I appreciate that. Um, and, and let me just, let me ask you this. So what we, what we talked about just previously, you, what you were saying, everything that the nursing homes are doing and the assisted living places we're doing, is, is that just Texas or is that, is that local or is that like, um, nationwide? Um, you know, I'm, I'm from Texas. So my numbers, most of my numbers are from Texas. I have a, a deep understanding of numbers in Texas, uh, nationwide, uh, let me let me re let me, yeah let me re ask the question because um, okay. I, I kind of confused myself. So yeah. you said that you know everything going on, nursing homes are doing everything in their power to make sure COVID does not come into the nurse nursing facilities. Right. Um, they're not allowing anyone who has COVID to come in, whether they're a elderly person or if they're a 
um, and a family member. And if they are already there and they come down with COVID, there's these rooms for them. Are they doing the same thing in other states as well? Because I've, I've been hearing about how people have been allowing COVID people to come into nursing homes that are, that are elderly, that need a place to stay. And they've actually been getting a lot of other people infected. You, you know, I, I only know what I've seen in the news. I've only know about other states that has happened. That kind of, that kind of behavior has happened in other states. Uh, it was early on in the virus outbreak when we did not really know the spread. For example, we were all back in the time when, he, when, when the little states were bringing in people and telling people to go to the nervous home as infected. We didn't know it was airborne. We didn't know that. And in fact, just recently I read that the air is even more airborne than we thought it was originally. You know, you sneeze, the droplets of, of uh, water hit the air and the, and the virus lives in there and that's airborne. It, just last month I, I read that, that it doesn't need the water anymore. So it can float in the air independently. We didn't know that when these other states were putting people in the nursing homes with a virus. They thought, okay, general uh, quarantine, put them in their room, don't let them come out to eat, uh, don't let them uh, when you when the when the when the when the caregivers go into their room, let them wear the full hazmat kind of gear with the, with the face shield and the, and, the, and the scrubs and the, and change clothes when they get out. So a lot of the mistakes early with COVID that caused a lot of problems early was simply lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. We have more knowledge and, and luckily in the state of Texas, we're in the center of the country. We have, we have a big port in Houston, right? But most of that port is importing large quantities of goods like oil and gas and and shipping containers we don't have a large population of folks coming here like new york or california that people come in to trade people come in to do business and then go home again and, and it's a constant traffic um so th it, those, 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 the things that happened early in the outbreak was simply lack of knowledge on our part. The best thing about Texas is if we have, a, we're not, we're not compact like a lot of places like California or New York uh, or Florida for that matter. We're bigger than even Florida. So if we have an outbreak in Katy and we see the, what the facilities did in Katy to precipitate that the facilities in league city and, and Pearland and Galveston are, 50, 60 miles away from Katy, they can learn from those mistakes even in even within our own state. So we've we've benefited greatly ge geographically and being in the center of the country, watching others do for us first. Absolutely, and I wish uh, you know I just wish that you know our politicians could come together and actually do what's best for this situation. I had to say it, Trisha. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, let me ask you a just off the wall question because, oh my gosh, we could talk forever. We can talk forever about this, Brian. And I'm sad that we only have 20 minutes, but if this was your last day on earth today, this is your last day, what right. would be your going out meal? The going out meal? Oh my goodness. Your last meal you ever eat and you could spend whatever amount of money you want. What would it be? All right. I would surf and turf it. I would. And some sides. Come on. Like, give me the All right. Whole I, listen, I'll do the whole thing. I would surf and turf it. I would be flaming yon wrapped in bacon, uh, lobster, 
with, with, with butter over the, over the candle, uh, potatoes au gratin, Caesar salad, creme brulee, maybe. What about your drink? What are you drinking? Oh, I'm not a big drinker. Uh, if I'd have a Coke, maybe some water. Okay. Hey, it's your, it's your date. You know, I'm telling you what I'm telling, I'm bringing on the carbs. I'm bringing on all the fats because Hey, I'm going out. It doesn't matter anymore. So I'm drenching everything <laughs> in water. No, that, that was a great answer. I love, see Trisha. I love this because everyone, they, they're not pre-screened. These questions are not pre-screened. They just come out and everyone always answers them because they're like, I've actually thought about this. I love sure. that. I think that's awesome. All right, Brian, one uh, or maybe two serious questions for you as we go out. Uh, because our listeners can't see you, would you divulge what generation you are part of? I am the generation of X. Woot, woot. The, uh, yes. the, uh, the season uh, veteran, what do you call them? The uh, it was called a life veteran. Life veteran. You're a life veteran now. Right. Yeah, so are I, you. Know, I, remember, I still remember when we were the young kids on the block and all oh, those Gen Xers, they don't know nothing. All right. So, Brian, you're a Gen Xer. Is there a generation that you most identify with that's not X Jenner? Oh, my goodness. A generation that I most identify with. Um, you know, I really I don't identify with the the next generation, the one below us. I don't know if they call them Ys or what do they call them? They call them Generation yeah, they, Y or they, they all huh? disappeared. They all disappeared, yeah. Brian. They all disappeared. They have bunched them into the millennials. So you. I, okay, they're the millennials. <laughs> I, you know, I, I try to be, I try to run the middle of the round. I, I obviously talk to the elderly. So I know the silent generation very, very well. Uh, I love their stories. I love their, I love their history. So I like their history, but you know, the generation Gen Xers, they're absolutely great. They did the, the, uh, the millennials are absolutely great with their energy and their, their new perspective on things that I just haven't ever thought of. Brian's really like a chameleon. He can, he can just talk to any generation, but um, what I do want to say too, because, because this is a generational podcast, you know, I know that this topic is not really generational. We were talking specifically pretty much the baby boomers and the, uh, the, greatest generation of all time so um i was kind of out of this one but you know i have a bunch of questions i was curious about so brian thank you so much for being here today trisha you want to take us out and get all of this information yeah absolutely and oh by the way i disagree with you i think this was very generational because we all have or maybe taking care of our parents or thinking about taking care of our grandparents so boom mic drop wow. i'm just saying of the world my, my job requires me to talk to everybody and get into their and get into their understanding of their of the world, simply because I'm taking care of their relatives. I, I have to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here with us today. Would you please tell us the name of your business and how folks might contact you? If you'll spell it out for us, that would be great. In case they have any follow up questions. Okay, my name is Brian Rosen. B R I A N R O S E N. I live in Lake City. And my company is, and my franchise is called uh, Assisted, A S S I S T E D Living L I V I N G Locators L O C A T O R S. I feel like I'm in spelling bee again. Dot com. My phone number is seven one three four 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 six four zero one. Again, my phone number seven one three 
444-6401, Brian Rosen, Assisted Living Locators. Trisha Colton, thank you very much for everything. I appreciate your time. And, and I Brian. do one last thing, Trisha, before you close us out. If you have any relative who's looking at home health care, assisted living, nursing home, talk to Brian. It's not going to cost you anything. He's already done the research. It is, I mean, I would send my mom to him, but she's going to live to like a million. So I'm telling telling what you said. (laughs) So this concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. If there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Jim Butcher, a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Colton Cockrell with Sharon McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendswood Drive, Suite 207, Friendswood, Texas, 77546, phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offer through Next Financial Group, Inc. Member FINRA, Pacific. Sharon McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.